Pray for my mom. First Kings chapter number 18, if you're there, let's stand together. And I want you to look down. For the sake of time tonight, we're going to not give you a lot of backstory at this, um, this showdown we're having here on Mount Carmel between Elijah and the prophets of Baal. I'm sure you know it very well, uh, but it's one man versus at least 450, and they're about to find out who the one and true living God is. And I'm sure you know the story, but I hope to be able to bring the message tonight to draw us a little bit closer to being motivated in this area of missions. First Kings 18, and I want you to look down to verse number 21. Elijah comes up and he's speaking to the people of God that are there, and he asked them a question. Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. Now watch what happens. The Bible says, And the people answered him, Not a word. You know the story. He brought the ox in for the sacrifice. They doused it with water. They dug a trench around the altar that was there, and the trench was filled with water. And then Elijah began to pray after the altar was repaired that the fire of God would fall. Look at verse 37. The Bible says, Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. Now watch what the people did now in verse 39. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is the God, the Lord, he is the God. Let's pray together tonight. Our Father, I thank you tonight for Lord, the wonderful time we've had here this week getting to know these faithful servants of yours. Bless them, Father, to be able to get to the field soon. Bless them with much, Lord, fruit to abound to their account and, Lord, to the account of all those who help them get there. I pray that you keep a hedge about them as they travel. Bless this dear church, the wonderful people, the sweet spirit. Bless the pastor and his family. Lord, keep a hedge about them. Help the people. Help hold up his hands as he seeks to serve you. Bless us now tonight, Lord, as we preach. Help us, Lord, to say what you'd have us to say and nothing more. For it's in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I was thinking this afternoon about how to introduce this message, and uh, it's something that I enjoy doing personally. Uh, I'll go to the mall from time to time with my wife. She enjoys going to Bath and Body Works. She'll go out there and buy all of that smell good kind of stuff, and uh, my senses of smell are fried ever since COVID, uh, so there's no point in me going in there. I'm not a good smell tester for her, and so I'll just sit there in the mall while she's in there and having a good old time with that, and uh, I'll be sitting there watching people walk by. And I want to tell you, if you need some cheap entertainment, go to your local mall and watch people. People are quite interesting. Just watching the different people. I'm not talking about necessarily how they look, but how they act. And you're going to find out that people are interesting characters to watch. Now, I enjoy getting to know people, different personalities. I was speaking with Brother Tally yesterday about the culture in Germany and where Germany is at. And it's amazing that sin is still sin regardless of the country. That no matter what we, where we are or who we are or where we are from, people are always going to be people. Now I want to zoom in just a little bit closer in on that tonight. I want to bear witness to you that not only are people always going to be people and humans always humans, when you look at God's people, unfortunately, regardless of what era we are in, whether we are in the Old Testament, the New Testament, the church age, right now, the church and the people of God, unfortunately, always seem to repeat the same mistakes. 
You look down at the passage that we're seeing tonight here at this showdown on Mount Carmel, and you see this good versus evil, God versus Baal, majority versus minority kind of thing going on here. Now, notice two groups, if you will. We're going to zoom in on these people. First, we have Elijah. Elijah knows the truth. He knows who the one true and living God is, and he is standing for him. But then we have another group of people that when we look down to verse 21, we see them resembling people in 2024. Unfortunately, this is also the majority. Watch what the minority said. If God be God, follow him. Uh, I tell you, whether it's in America or Germany or Uruguay or Australia or wherever you may be serving, unfortunately, you have very few. Uh, matter of fact, it's a minority that says, if the Lord be God, then follow him. Uh, you don't have a whole lot of those today that are willing to rise up and be that lone voice in the wilderness crying out for God. But wait a minute, look at the majority and what they're doing in verse 21. The Bible says, if the Lord be God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him not a word. Notice the majority of the people that are there are very hesitant. Here is the one in the majority who's crying out, saying, if God be God, follow him. Can I tell you, that's the same message today. If God be God, let's follow him. If he is who he, we say he is, and if he is our Lord and he is our God, then why aren't we following him? Well, because that's not convenient in 2024. That's not very popular in 2024. And we see the majority of Christians, what are they doing? What's happening in verse number 20, 21? The people answered him not a word. I hate to tell you, even though this was several thousand years ago, people haven't changed that much. People are still people. You've got a few that are crying out to God and crying out truth and holding up the standard of the word of God. And then you have a majority of Christians. Now, don't get me wrong tonight. I'm not saying they're bad people. I'm going to say they're in the majority of things that right now are keeping silent. And I hate to tell you that silent people aren't going to make much of a difference. The ones who are sitting back waiting for things to pan out. Boy, I tell you, I've gone through some trials in my ministry. We're going through one right now in our ministry. And I'll tell you, the people that are the greatest blessing are the people who rise up and stand for truth. The people that are the greatest discouragement to me are the people that are sitting back and they're waiting for things to pan out before they get involved. Folks, I believe there's a picture of the church right there today. Where so many of us refuse to take a stand for what thus saith the Lord, and that's why we're not making a difference. And yet tonight, I wonder in this room how many of us would fall in the minority and how much would fall in the majority. Would you be the ones tonight standing for truth? Or would you be the ones who are sitting there, as the Bible says, and the people answered him, not a word. Tonight, I'm going to preach on two different groups of people as fast as I can, okay? The message is very simple. Notice in verse 21, we have the one who is willing, and we have those that were watching. And I want to ask you a question. Are you watching, or are you willing? Are you watching, or are you willing? Tonight, you're either standing on the sidelines of the will of God, watching other people do it, or you're one of those who are willing to be part of the will of God. And if we're going to make a difference tonight, at some point, you've got to decide, I'm tired of being those that are watching. I want to be one of those that are willing. And boy, I'm so thankful tonight. God doesn't kick anybody out. If you're willing, it doesn't matter how ugly you are. It doesn't matter how bad your breath may sting. It doesn't matter how smart you are not. It doesn't matter how much money you may not have. God will take care of all of that if you and I just decide to be part of the willing. So tonight I want to show you why I believe and what made Elijah so useful to God and what made the others so unuseful to God as 
the watchers. Now, notice, if you will, look down to verse 21 again. If you take a close look, you're going to see the problem the people were dealing with. The Bible says, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between what? Two opinions. Two opinions. Can I tell you why the watchers were not willing? It's the same problem I have, probably the same problem you have, if we'll admit it tonight. Notice first off tonight, they had a divided attention. They had a divided attention. So what do you mean by that tonight? Well, I believe one of the greatest distractions from doing the will of God is when we are given an alternative to doing the will of God. One thing I have found about Satan, he's brilliant at giving us alternatives, is he not? Now, look, I'm not saying these are bad people. I'm saying they're dealing with the same problem you and I deal with tonight. And it's not that we have something against God. The problem is we can't deal with the alternatives that come our way. And we're going to be found, when the trump of God sounds, caught between two opinions. Am I going to be willing or am I going to be a watcher? My wife sometimes will remind me ever so kindly and submissively as a godly wife that she is. Honey, could you take the garbage out? You know, I don't know exactly why it is that I hate taking the garbage out. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's something in my DNA as a man that I just don't enjoy taking the garbage out. I don't understand why it's a big deal to her uh, and not a big deal to me. Uh, I know it's why it's a big deal to her because we play that garbage can Jenga where it's stacked all the way up. And here's the rule. If it falls off on you, you're the one who has to take the garbage out, right? So you're just keeping on stacking it up there on the top, trying to get it to, to stay there so that you don't have to take the garbage out. I don't always enjoy taking it out, and I tell her, I will. I feel better about saying I will than I won't, right? But you know, if you're not careful, you'll do the same thing with God. I'll do the same thing with God. We'll have a divided attention. Yes, we have the intentions to do that, but I hate to tell you, intentions are not going to matter so much when we stand before God. At some point, you have to come off the sidelines and say, I'm not going to be one of these who doesn't open up my mouth. I'm going to be one of the willing. And whatever God lays on my heart, I'm going to be willing to do it. Why? Because I don't want to be caught with a divided attention. I believe tonight that's what we're dealing with in the church. We've been distracted. Go back to the Garden of Eden in Genesis. You see Adam and Eve. Do you think that Adam and Eve hated God? I don't. How could you hate someone who created this beautiful world, this perfect world for you? Adam literally had the perfect wife. Eve literally had the perfect husband. Had the perfect world. Do you think they hated God? I don't think they hated God. Can I tell you what their problem was? They had their attention divided. Satan comes along and Satan begins to offer to them an alternative to what God had given them. And all Satan has had 6,000 years to practice giving us alternatives. He's very good at that. Do you know you and I would even be good at something if we had 6,000 years of practice, right? I might even could sing. There's one thing I can't do at all. It, I'm talking about at all. I can't make gravy. Every time I try to, I can't with a packet, okay, but I want to make homemade gravy. I'm a southern boy. I want to make homemade gravy. I'll sit there and put the flour in and get it hot in that iron skillet and pour the oil and the water and all that. And after a while, I just have this blob. I mean, it's just nastiness. And I end up going to the back. I put it on ant beds. All right, I figured, why, why waste it? I go out there, I, I love stirring the ants up really good. And I take that molten blob and just pour it all over them. So my wife, you know, she might ask me, hey, what are you doing? I'm making ant killer. That's what, are you making gravy again? No, I'm making ant killer again. I'm not very good at it. But boy, if I had 6,000 years, I bet I'd be good at it. That's why Satan's so good at giving us alternatives. 
You ever found it interesting when you get up in the morning at the alternatives that suddenly pop in your mind to reading the Word of God? Isn't that neat? You ever found it interesting that when it's time to go soul winning, man, your church is going to have soul winning tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, our church will go out soul winning. It's going to be amazing to all of those that go at the alternatives that Satan is going to give them from doing what thus saith the Lord. Now hear me out. You're never going to make a difference in the area of the will of God in your life if you can't get past a divided attention. I believe that's what the church is struggling with today. Matthew 16, 18, the Bible says, And I say unto also unto you, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now hear me out. We're the church. We have already won. We are already overcomers. We are already more than conquerors, okay? That has already been settled. It's not a battle of if the church wins or loses. The church has already been guaranteed we are going to win. Then why are we losing? I'll tell you why. We're distracted. We're distracted. I realized this a while back that when we were going through a trial, boy, just a trying season at our church, that one of the greatest things that Satan had accomplished in that season was he had distracted me. I was not able to devote all of my attention and my time to the vision and direction of our church. You're putting out fires here and putting out fires there and you're trying to mend this and mend that. Satan is brilliant at distractions. I think it was my daughter I told the other day, what Satan can't destroy, he will distract. He can't destroy the church. He can't. The Bible has already said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But what he can't destroy, he will distract. And he's doing a wonderful job of that. I'll tell you, if you want to become a, one of the willing that are willing to stand up for truth, you've got to get back to the place to where you realize I'm not going to fall for the distractions. There was a farmer one time and looked out the window of his house before bed. And he saw the barn doors were open there, big, great big old red barn. And he saw men walking out with shovels and pitchforks. They were stealing his tools. Suddenly, he goes, picks up the phone, calls the cops. He says, hey, there are men stealing my farm implements out of the barn. I need you to come out here. They said, sir, we have a limited force, and we can't come out and just stop everybody who's stealing shovels and rakes. You just kind of, you know, stay in your house, lock the doors, and you'll be fine. We can't come out there. A few minutes later, he called the cops back, and he says, I just wanted to call and let you know you didn't have to come. They says, why? He says, well, I shot them. They said, excuse me? He says, I took care of it myself. I shot them. They're laying dead there in the barn. They'll never steal my rakes and, and, and shovels again. Next thing you know, here comes the cops out to his barn and there is the, the SWAT team rolling up with guns and they're looking and they can't find the bodies. And he says, well, of course I didn't shoot them. He said, where are they at? He says, they're back there hiding in the back of the barn. He said, well, I thought you told us that you killed them. He says, I thought you told me you couldn't come. Suddenly they realize that, oh, this is of significance that maybe we should be willing to give it some attention. Tell you something tonight, I think the church ought to rethink some things too. Boy, I tell you, there's so many things we spend our time and our resources on and our efforts on. And I, look, I don't mind a fellowship and I enjoy that at our church when we can. I don't mind getting together. We're going to smoke two whole hogs here in just a few weeks at our church. I'm thankful to be able to do that. But at some point, you've got to ask the question, am I devoting myself to something that's going to matter in eternity? Or am I sitting back? 
Not saying a word, letting other people get the will of God done. Number one tonight, how do we go from being a watcher to the willing? Well, we've got to answer this question of having a divided attention. I want you to think about David real quickly before I give you the second thing. David was a mighty warrior. I look forward to meeting David. I, I have this really weird feeling. I believe God has a sense of humor, don't you? I mean, you ever look in the mirror? I mean, you know, sometimes you're like, yeah, God does have a sense of, of humor. I think we'll get to heaven one day. I'm going to be so shocked that David is going to be about four foot eight, redheaded and freckles. That's not what I picture, uh, I picture him to be. That I'm going to be looking for this great big old guy walking around, you know, maybe with a headband on, like Chuck Norris, you know, and you're going to walk around, where's David? He's going to be that four-foot guy over there that, you know, red-headed with freckles. That's who David is. But you, know, you think about David, he was a warrior, wasn't he? David was a warrior. He killed a lion and he killed a bear. He killed a giant. But do you know what brought David down? What Satan could not accomplish through an adversary, he accomplished it through an alternative. You think about that. What he could not accomplish through a lion, a bear, a giant, and a crazy king that chased him around all the time. He accomplished through an alternative when he should have been on the battlefield. And David chose the alternative. I'll tell you tonight, you're going to be a watcher the rest of your Christian life if you don't decide that at some point you're giving up on the alternatives. Forget about it. No, I'm going to go on. I want to be one of the willing, accomplishing the great will of God. Susanna Wesley, I've read this before, and I read it again this week. Boy, what a great quote. She was given to her son her definition of sin. Well, I think it'd be good for us to define sin to our children. She defined it as this, whatever takes away your relish for things spiritual, whatever obscures your sense of God, that is sin to you, no matter how innocent it may seem in, in and of itself. Whatever takes away your relish for the things that are spiritual. Do you know what she was telling those young Wesley boys who would go on to shake the world with the gospel of Christ? Beware of the alternatives. Beware of the alternatives. You know, we look at things that are simple and maybe things that seem innocent to us, but if it takes us away from our relish of the will of God, it's going to divide our attention. Number one, notice the divided attention, but number two, stay right there in verse 21. We're going to hurry. The Bible says, how long, and what's the next word, if you will? How long halt ye between two opinions? So notice that when their attention was divided, now notice number two, there's a delayed reaction. There's a delayed action. He says, as long as your attention is divided, your action is delayed. Your action's delayed. Probably one of the greatest things that motivated me. God called me to preach June 17, 1995. 15-year-old kid, scared to death, didn't want to preach, just to be honest with you. I was an introvert. When my dad would ask me to lead the singing at our church, I would ask, could I take a spanking instead? That's how, that's how much I was scared to death to sing and talk to people. And now, look, the Lord's worked a miracle. I went 50 minutes last night. You can't shut me up now. But I remember when God called me to preach. Boy, I tell you, I'm sitting there and, trying to decide, boy, God, is this really you? Do you want me to preach? My buddy over here, his dad's a famous preacher. Why not him? And his dad's a missionary. Why not him? God, why me? I'm the quiet guy. I don't mind being behind the scenes, helping somebody else get on the mission field. God, I don't want to preach. And I'm sitting there trying to decide, June 17, 1995, Maranatha Missions Haven in Natchez, Mississippi. And then the words of my dad rang in my heart. My dad got saved when he was 17. In several years that my dad 
didn't get active and involved in a church boy like this. It would have been great for him to get involved in. And my dad would tell me later when he did surrender to preach, well, I wish I'd have started younger. I wish I'd have started younger. You see, when you have a divided attention, it will lead to a delayed action. And boy, June 17, 1995, I went down to an altar right here on this side, Maranatha Missions Haven, and I told God, okay, I don't know what you can do with me, but I'm willing just to give me to you and let you figure out the rest. And boy, can I tell you, the last 28 years have had highs and lows, ups and downs, but boy, there's no fulfillment knowing, like knowing you're doing what God put you here to do. Can I beg you tonight, don't have a divided attention because you're delaying the action that God has for you. You're, you're holding up the time. There are people that you need to reach or people that you need to help other people go reach. There's differences that need to be made. But as long as we have a divided attention, we have a delayed action, we're not getting the job done. And oh, we can complain about what's wrong in America. But I'll tell you, what's wrong in America is we have too many watchers and not enough willing. That's the problem. So number two tonight, notice the delayed action. I have something I call drive-through window anxiety. Anybody else suffer from that? <clears throat> Let me describe it for you. Maybe you'll realize that you also, too, have been diagnosed with this fearsome disease, and uh, you never know. You, you, might, you might get something for that, okay? Uh, we'll go to a drive-through, and I usually know what I want before I get to the window, all right, before I get to the speaker. <clears throat> My daughter, she likes to just think about it for a while. And we're sitting there, and he said, Psh, can I take your order? Yes, ma'am, give me one moment, please. I'm looking back at my daughter. What was it the other day? Chicken sandwich or burritos? I just couldn't, she couldn't decide. Chicken sandwich or burritos. And I'm like, I'm fixing to just order you one. You better spit it out. And it seems like it's 30 minutes, doesn't it? You're waiting on your kids to tell you what they want, and you think the person in the screen is fixing to reach out and strangle you. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, gosh, just hurry up. Give me one of everything so we can get through the window really quick. Drive-through window anxiety. It's going to be on a, on a lawyer video soon, a commercial soon. You're going to say, do you suffer from drive-through window anxiety? Call us. We'll get you a check. If it happens, I'm the first person to ring their phone, okay? I got that. We're sitting there in the car. Do you want ice with that? How many sugars in your coffee? How many creams do you want? Do you want onions on that? I don't know. Just make it and give it to me, okay? I'll eat whatever you have. Drive-through window anxiety. Just waiting to figure out. Come on, just give me so I can go. All right, and here we are sitting at the drive through window of this life, and the clock is ticking. And God says, are you in and out? Are you in or out? God says, are you going to be one of the watchers? Are you going to be one of the willing? Are you sitting back waiting for somebody else to do the will of God? Or will you, like these blessed missionaries here tonight, say, you know what? God has not called me to go, but I'm going to be one of the ones who are willing to make sure they get where they're going. Because, oh, I want to accomplish the will of God. Don't you want to hear well done? Don't you want to hear that? Boy, I used to hear preachers say stuff when I was a kid. I'm like, what? The first thing they would say is, even so, Lord, come quickly. I'm like, nope. I want to get married. And uh, now I'm, I'm 44. I'm married, happily married. Got a daughter getting ready to go to college, which means she's probably going to be getting married. I'm like, even so, Lord, come quickly. <laughs> really quick. Graduation's in May of next year. Could you just wrap this thing up really quick? But boy, the older I get and the more I try to set my affections on things above, the more I realize I just want to hear well done. I want to hear well done. I, look, you, you, you don't have to publish a message I preach. I don't have to preach it in a big church. I just want to hear well done. That's all. All I want to do is know that I was willing to do whatever it was he left me here to do. 
They've been called to go. The odds are everybody in here is not going to be called to go, but boy, if he does, you better go. But why don't you help them get where they're going? Why? You don't want to be one of the watchers. You want to be one of the willing. Don't have a delayed action tonight. I want you to think about this, and we're going to hurry. What is the difference between a, a watcher and a willing? I want you to look at verse number 36. What's the difference in someone who's a watcher and someone who's willing? It's very simple. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of, of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, and that I am thy servant. Now watch this. That I have done all these things at thy word. The difference in a watcher and a willing is the one who's willing is just going to do what God says. That's the difference. The difference in a watcher and somebody who's sitting back and they're the ones usually critiquing everybody. I, I, I did a survey in my mind the other day of all the critiques I get, okay, and criticisms that I get in, in my own sphere of ministry. And it's amazing, 99% of the critiques and the criticism I get come from people who don't show up for soul winning. It's amazing. They don't show up for soul winning. They're not actively involved serving in a ministry. They're the watchers. They're sitting back and they're critiquing everybody else. And I'll tell you something, critique doesn't go very far when we stand before God. I don't think that's a spiritual gift. I'm not sure, but I'll go back and read the New Testament. I don't think that's a spiritual gift critique. But, oh, you could be one of the willing who hears well done from Almighty God when you get to the place where you say, Lord, I'm going to do all that you have said at thy word. Well, there's a great truth right there. I don't have time to cover it tonight. Go do a study. You'll find the phrase at thy word mentioned three times in Scripture, and something good happened every time. Three times at thy word. There's your personal Bible study when you go home, okay? The answer to divided attention is what? To decide you're going to do what God said. You're going to do what God said. Folks, this is not hard tonight. The Holy Spirit of God, if you're saved, lives in your heart and he lives in mine. And that still small voice roars sometimes, doesn't it? It's obnoxious. Holy Spirit bugging me all the time. Man, I want to go do my thing and do what I desire to do and things that I want to have in this life. And the Holy Spirit says, no, I want you to give me that time. And oh, you're going to have something to lay at the feet of Jesus. If you just decide, I'm going to do all that I do at thy word. Don't have a delayed reaction or delayed action tonight. I believe that delay, I forget who said this. We were talking about quotes yesterday. And so this is a bad guy. Don't hold it against me, okay? Delay is the deadliest form of denial. Delay is the deadliest form of denial. We're smart enough not to tell God no. We just tell God later. And you're going to look up one day, no offense if you're 75 years old, all right? You're going to look up one day, you're going to be 75 years old, and you have latered God your entire life. God, I never told you no, you just told God later. And then you became 40 and 50 and 60 and 70, and now you've missed some of the greatest years of your life serving God. Number two, a delayed action. That's the difference in a watcher, in the willing. But finally, I'll give you this before we close. I want you to notice that Elijah, we don't have time to read all these verses tonight, but boy, you pick up and you read what Elijah's doing to accomplish what God has told him to do. Here he is, the only representative of the willing. He's the only one. I want to tell you, so often I see that when it gets down to the only one, 
Well, people start scattering quick, don't they? When the numbers begin to get down and you're in that minority of standing for God and standing for truth, boy, people begin to flee quick. Why? Because nobody likes to be in the minority. But if you recall in your Bible, there were some very important people in the minority. I remember there was one, his name was Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane and everybody else forsook him and he was by himself. Thank God for that one. Thank God for that one. I thank God for the two, Joshua and Caleb, when everybody else is groaning and complaining. Joshua and Caleb says, we can take it. Oh, I pray this church has some Joshua's and Caleb's. I'm thankful for those who stood in a minority. Why? Because they have something that you and I need tonight in order to become those amongst the willing. And that's number three, a determined approach. Notice how determined he was real quickly. Look at verse 22. Then, he li- then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I, only remain. He was determined when he had to stand alone. Could I just beg you to do something tonight? Be determined even if you have to stand alone. Be determined. I tell a joke to our teenagers. It's not a joke. It's a funny story. When I was a teenager, 14 years old, went to this youth rally. Turned out it wasn't much of a youth rally, but hundreds and hundreds of teenagers from all over the country. And there they are having this True Love Waits campaign. You remember that? Back in the 90s, True Love Waits, keeping yourself pure to get to the altar. And this guy gets up and he gives this great big old speech on how you ought to remain pure till you get to the altar. And obviously I believe that. And he says, if you're willing to do that tonight, I just want you to stand to your feet and uh, let that testimony be made known to everybody in the building. And boy, I just stood up. And there wasn't a soul in my group stood up with me. To be honest, I began thinking, what did he say again? <laughs> I honestly thought that he, he said something like, if you're struggling with some deep, dark sin, please stand up. And I'm thinking, what did I just stand up for? No kidding, not one soul in that 15-passenger van that I went with stood with me. It was amazing how gravity began to take effect on my knees to want to sit down. Why? Because I was in a minority. I, even I, only remain. But I'll tell you one thing I know. I made it to the altar pure. Amen? Made it pure. Why? Because at some point, if you're going to be one of the willing, you've got to be determined even when you're, de- you're standing alone. Look down if you real quickly, verse 21 again. At the end of the verse, the Bible says, And the people answered him not a word. You need to be determined when support falls silent. I was joking about a guy today in our church, Brother Richard. I don't know if he's watching tonight. I have a, a voicemail stacked with voicemails from him. He's a member who calls me and speaks in a British accent. He's not British. He's from Alabama. The first time it happened, I was weirded out. Something's wrong with this man. But no, he's just an encourager. I, the reason I have his voicemails on my phone, it's because every time he leaves me a voicemail, it's an encouragement. All those blue dots, those are him. And I know that when Richard's in the service, no matter how bad the preaching is, I'm going to get an amen out of it. But boy, it's tough when Richard's on vacation. Just falls flat. I'm like, where's Richard? We need to record it and put it on the, on the live stream. We're here. Amen. Can I tell you, you're not always going to have the Richards in your life. You need to be determined when the people answer not a word. And then you look down to verse 33 and I'll be done. He put the wood in order and cut the bullock in pieces and laid him on the wood and said, fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. You say, what are you getting at there? 
Well, he said he did all that he did because God told him to. And he was determined to do all of what God said to, watch this, even when the odds were against him. You're going you're gonna to light this on fire. It's been covered in barrels of water. There's a moat of water around it. And yet, Elijah was determined that I'm going to do the will of God. I don't care what the odds are. And I'll tell you something. Oftentimes, they're not going to be in our favor. But that's when God gets the glory. I remember I surrendered to go build Bayou Baptist Church in Monroe, Louisiana. That's, that's where we were before we moved to Hattiesburg. And... Uh, I went to an evangelist friend, and I said, hey, God's called us to go to Louisiana. We're going to go start a brand new church in northeast Louisiana. So excited about that, boy. My heart was on fire to do that. He goes, Monroe? I said, yes, sir. He goes, that's where independent Baptist preachers go to die. Amen. Amen. Appreciate you holding up my hands. I felt like he was swinging on my arms. (laughs) Appreciate that. What an encouragement. He said, I've known folks to go up there. It's just hard to get a start up there. Oh, by the grace of God, within five years, we had a paid-for building, had a wonderful congregation supporting missionaries, and they're doing a great job up there still today. Why? Because there were a group of folks, there were 21 of us that met at a, a barbecue restaurant. Our first meeting, organization meeting as a church, was literally in a metal corral at a barbecue restaurant. Not very spiritual. But I like to eat, you know, so why not? And so we met there. But we had 21 determined people in spite of the odds. Can I ask you something tonight as we close? Are you a watcher or are you willing? Tonight, do you have a divided attention? Well, I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking about it. You're going to think about it till Jesus comes. All right? It's not we'll think till Jesus comes. It's we'll work till Jesus comes. There's a job to do. Missionaries, it's got to get to the field. Well, I've been thinking about giving this $5 to those missionaries. Hey, give it. It's the greatest investment you will ever make. I promise you. Maybe that God's called you to go across the street, but boy, you're like, I don't know if I can witness to my neighbor. You have a divided attention. As long as you have a divided attention, you have a delayed action. You're halted. Halted between two opinions. Could it be tonight, we just need to do what Elijah did and to say, I'm going to have a determined approach. I don't care if the odds are against me, if the support falls silent, and I'm the only one. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be determined. Why? Because when I stand before God, I want to hear well done, because I chose to be amongst the willing. Tonight, are you a watcher? Are you standing back, not getting involved? Or would you just choose to be one of the willing and just see what God could do with you? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed.